TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. What does the future hold for St. Louis and how do we get there? This is Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome in. We've got so much to talk about when it comes to St. Louis technology, startups, innovation. Michael and Travis with you. It's nice to join you again, Michael. And yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to uh, we're going to dig into a couple of stories that I'm really excited about. We've we've talked to Launch Code or about Launch Code quite a bit on this show, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know how they have been working with Boeing and Boeing has been working with them. And we're also going to chat with uh, one of my favorite entrepreneurs in St. Louis, Scott Leindecker, recently winning an award. Uh, but you know, so many of our listeners have interacted with Scott's technology. And maybe didn't even know it was a St. Louis company when they're going to the polls. Yeah, No Inc. is in more than 50% of voting places across the country, believe I just read. And uh, Scott Leindecker and No Inc. named Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young, part of that cohort there. And then also when it comes to a launch code, some of those tech careers you might need a security clearance for. Or maybe not if you uh, if you want to code on uh, the latest uh, plane that's being brought out, for instance. Boeing and Launch Code are really partnering up to bolster their talent pipeline here in St. Louis. And that's been a long, uh, long existing relationship. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe that that launch code started in 2013. I mean, we're nearing 10 years, a, nearing 10 years of disrupting uh, the hiring process uh, for large corporates, which is which I think is just great. Definitely. So those are two interviews we're excited about. We'll finish up by introducing you to a new app called Doobie, and that's all I'm going to tell you about it. I think you can infer what it might be for. It's called Doobie, and it's the first of its kind in the St. Louis metro and in the state of Missouri. And right now, I want to bring you a conversation from the newsroom that I did this week with Tara Mott from Esri, ESRI. They are a giant in the geospatial or mapping industry. What does Esri do? I see the logo in several different places, including when I go to check traffic. They power the traffic map uh, that Mm -hmm. we use. And so what is Esri and a little bit of geospatial? Yeah, um, great, Michael. So Esri is a geospatial software company. We've been around since 1969. It really is about kind of, you know, supporting our users doing great things, right? You have the traffic apps like you just mentioned, but they're powered by geospatial data and technology. And that's kind of what Esri does, right? It makes those maps, it makes those applications that support different ways you can leverage geospatial information. And so, uh, yeah, as you go forward, a lot of things, you know, 
you don't have to be a geospatial expert. Basically, so many industries just leverage geospatial, right? I mean, I, right now I support NGA, which is the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and it is part of their normal workflows and looking at where things happen. You know, everything happens at some place on Earth or I guess not on Earth, right, um, at a particular time. And so that's really geospatial data and any way that you can put it on a map or look at it um, in a spatial context is really kind of what we do. Um, Geospatial can support, um, you know, medical health. We've seen it. Uh, You've probably seen that COVID-19 John Hopkins dashboard. That was built on ArcGIS dashboards technology, and it's powered by GeoEvent um, to kind of get those updates to be able to to show where the cases were spreading last March, or I guess last February. Um, But really, there's, you know, operations, you know, operation centers are looking at where things are happening in space and time. And that's really what geospatial information really kind of provides you. So what can you say uh, about the existing Esri presence in St. Louis? Where are you? About how many employees? What's the kind of work that's being done here? And then what does this news do to that? Okay. Yeah. So we actually, we, our main regional office is out in the St. Charles um, location. And we have around 103 employees total in this area. But this regional office does support all of our Midwest operations really kind of until you start getting to Denver. And so that's around like 140 employees. Um, and we do have offices. We have the one in the T-Rex. That's where I'm actually at right now. Um, it's a three-man office. This one's focused predominantly on supporting startups, you know, having developers building on our platform. We, we like to say that we're kind of at 80% solution so that a lot of these developers and startups can actually take our technology, build upon it, and put their extra value into it. And so that's really what our role is out here in the T-Rex office. We also have a presence in the Cortex, a 17-man office. Um, we haven't been able to use most of our offices for a while. I mean, just in general, um, you know, we're still doing the working from home as much as you can unless you need to go in. Um, but that office really supports um, the people that actually work and support NGA and our professional services division, so they can kind of get out of NGA to do some of those commercial off-site meetings. Um, but also we, we support a lot of state and local government out of there, um, education, um, commercial industries, agriculture, healthcare, logistics, banking, finance. So we kind of do a lot of everything out here in the Midwest. Um, and it's honestly, you know, it's a good place to be because you're, you know, you can get to the East Coast or the West Coast in a pretty short amount of time. So you can support, and we don't just support customers here in St. Louis, we support customers across the Midwest. Well, stay tuned. Coming up next, we're going to take you to No Inc. and find out the latest about voting technology, how it's happening right here in St. Louis. Stay tuned. That's just ahead on Nothing Impossible. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Well, welcome back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX as we continue spotlighting St. Louis entrepreneurs. And Travis, how about one that's Entrepreneur of the Year? Yeah, we're, uh, we get a chance to catch up with Scott Leindecker from No Inc. Uh, our listeners have probably interacted or interfaced with his technology when they go to vote. It's the, the poll pad that helps uh, verify that you are the right person and in your polling place. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. I hear uh, some awards are in in the works. Yeah, it's, it's uh, great to be back on the show as always. Great to talk to you, Travis, as always. And uh, yeah, it was uh, 
exciting to learn that um, I guess I was I was nominated and a finalist for Entrepreneur of the Year, and they uh, with uh, Ernst Young, and they uh, announced uh, the uh, the winners, and and I was one of them. What can you tell us about the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year being named one of them and being named one of the 2021 Heartland Award winners? What what did they look at? How did you get wrapped up in this? You know, I'm not quite sure how I got wrapped up in it. Somebody is supposed to nominate you. I'm not sure who actually nominated me through the process. But, you know, they contacted me. I went through uh, several interviews um, talk to them about, you know, the business, where we were, you know, how we were doing, just, you know, the, the stuff that we do to support, you know, our local communities and things like that. And, you know, got to meet a lot of the other, you know, uh, entrepreneurs um, that were nominated. And it was, uh, it was, it was quite, you know, it's quite an interesting process. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, what it is. I mean, I, I gave a brief overview of what No Ink does, but for our listeners, give us a, a primer on on where where No Ink is at this point in time with its uh, with its product and and what it does. Yeah. Uh, well, you had mentioned the uh, earlier on, just a minute on the show that you know we do the verification of a voter as they they uh, come in to uh, vote on election day or you know early voting. We we manage a lot of those sites like in St. Louis County um, on election day whenever you prior to election day uh, come in to to vote. So basically, the, the solution, you know, verifies who you are so that you can receive your ballot, make sure you're in the right location if, if that's required, and then uh, make sure you get the right ballot as well. Um, we're uh, in, I think, about 1,400 jurisdictions currently, 35 states, including Washington, D.C., you know, right now. Well, 35 states, that's... Uh... I, I, I guess we should we should hold out and see who those who the last fifteen are who haven't come on board yet. But uh, you know, from from early beginnings uh, here in St. Louis to thirty five states, what has it taken to really scale the business to thirty five states? You know, it's it's just hard work. I mean, that that's what it comes down to is having a vision, working hard. You know, going like I'm like I was saying, I was I'm on the road today. I'm headed down to Kentucky on a Friday you know, to meet with them, to talk to them about our solutions. So it's just a lot of hard work out there to, uh, to hit the pavement, get, get out and, and show your product and talk to people uh, about what you do and the passion you have for it. Scott, can you tell us how 2020 was with the pandemic, both from just a running the business perspective? Were people in the office? Were they at home? What were the challenges? But also, voting was a big focus with the pandemic. How do we do this? What changes do we make? Are they permanent or temporary? What did PollPad do to help facilitate uh, a healthy way for people to go and vote? Right. Well, it was, it was tough. I can tell you that. I mean, not just, you know, for, for elections, but, uh, you know, uh, everyone across the board, you know, dealing with obviously the pandemic. And we started the year, you know, with our main concern about, you know, hacking and things like that, because that's what we've heard over the past, you know, three years prior leading up to this election that, you know, we, we need to be weary of, of uh, Russian hack and Iranian Chinese hacking, you know, through our election. Those were our concerns. And then we got hit with a pandemic on top of it. So you could imagine, you know, there's a lot of angst, you know, at the you know, Inc. office. Um, we shut down fairly quickly. When I say we shut down, we, we moved everybody home immediately uh, when, the, uh, when, when it started to get very serious, I think, in March, um, mainly because we were concerned about, you know, the health and safety. If, if our crew, if our employees – 
you know, got ill, you know, that was going to be a real problem, you know, for the election process, because, you know, again, working with so many jurisdictions out there, um, we, we are heavy handed, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, handholding these jurisdictions through the process. Um, a lot of the jurisdictions moved to, you know, early voting vote centers, which was great. You know, that's what our product was developed and made for so that you could go to any location um, and during the pandemic, any location that you felt safe. Um, also, it, it was a, a product that, you know, allowed the voter to interact, you know, just with the voter, just with the screen, didn't have to really interact, you know, with an individual. They, they could maintain that safe, you know, feeling safe uh, from, you know, the pandemic and things like that. So we played a, a very major role, you know, in this last, you know, election cycle. We grew as a business, you know, really understanding what we were made of in a lot of ways. A lot of us figured that out in 2020. Um, and it was a great growing uh, growth experience for us. And what does the future hold for, uh, for Polpad and No Inc. as a broader company? I mean, you know, I, I like to kind of say, you know, we're, we've, we've gotten out of second gear. We're in third, you know, we're heading into fourth gear, you know, right now we've, we've acquired, you know, a voter registration business. We feel that that's really a need, you know, out there when Travis, you know, whenever I started, you know, developing Polpad, I felt there was a need, you know, for it at the time, same thing with the voter registration. It's time for us to kind of, you know, not, Stop what we're doing with Polpad, but to grow in other areas because we think that we can be a, uh, an asset and, and a help, you know, uh, moving forward with the election process. It seems like with Polpad, you, you approached the biggest uh, a pinch point, so to speak, when it comes to elections. And now uh, you're broadening out to a more holistic, uh, comprehensive approach to the entire process from, from start to finish. Is, is that a good way to characterize it? That that's a that's close. I would say we, we haven't really jumped into the tabulation side of of voting. We, we're more or less the management side of it. We don't count the votes. We don't count the ballots. But we want to you know stay in that that area of the verification, making sure we're keeping the records clean, which we think that that's a a real real need. And and with technology today, we think that there's a real avenue um, to to develop something that makes a lot of sense that can help you know, smooth the process for everybody and, and restore a lot of confidence in, in the voter rolls. Well, Scott, I wanted to ask just for a moment, you know, the big governments, whether it's a city government or a county government or even a state government, government, often don't buy from early stage companies or trust an early stage company with such a sensitive process, which is the voting process. What was in these in the early days of No Inc., what was it that helped, uh, I guess, you know, these, these, these municipalities to really trust in your, in your technology. Well, I, you know, I, w I was there and I, I've been there, done that, you know, I was the city election director. So, you know, I always remember, you know, early on, you know, uh, talking to, you know, crowds of election officials and basically, um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, they didn't, you know, they're, they're moving around, they're, they're not looking, they're not paying attention, you know, they're wanting to, to move on with their day or whatever. But as soon as I, I mentioned, you know, I was former election director from St. Louis, Missouri, it, that would always get people's attentions. And I always noticed that. And I think it was the fact that, you know, they could trust, they felt they could trust me. I've, I've been, 
in their shoes, have been in the trench, that they, they kind of, you know, they get that. And that gave them a sense of, you know, uh, security, safety, I can trust this guy. I think that really, you know, helped, you know, early on, um, especially whenever we launched, you know, uh, No Inc. Well, and there's this old adage that we used to hear in business that nobody ever got fired uh, for buying IBM. And, you know, you went very early with the development of uh, No Inc. for the Pullpad, you know, partnering with Apple and working exclusively, at least early on, uh, with the iPad, did that help provide some additional credibility for the company that you weren't? You weren't a hardware company. You were you were really a software company that was using other people's hardware. It did, but you know, or the interesting thing was early on, you know, and especially in government, government's typically a Windows operation. So you know, I had to also sell you know them Apple because a lot of the IT departments would immediately be like, well, we're we're Windows, and you know that was always something that was a hurdle that I had to get over. Today, you know, that hurdle, you know, we've gotten over the hurdle. But today, when you're talking about elections and you're talking about security, there's no better partner than Apple. And everybody knows that, you know, you have an iPhone, you're pretty safe and secure if you do the right things. Apple does a lot of, you know, beneficial things. And and I saw that early on with Apple, you know, and and that wasn't always a popular thing coming in and, and saying that we were using Apple and we wanted you as a government agency to, you know, switch over to an Apple product. So that, that was that was something that was difficult, you know, at the end of the day. We're talking with uh, No Inc. CEO, founder, Scott Leindecker, and uh, th- I believe you cover more than 50% of the registered voters in the United States. Uh, what What is the operation in St. Louis, the number of employees, uh, where in the region are you located, um, and, and your involvement, greater involvement in the St. Louis community, No Inc.'s? Well, you, we're, you know, where we're located, you know, you can't miss us anymore because we're located right across the street from the new soccer stadium, which is which is really exciting oh. to see, you know, all the uh, the activity that's going on. The stadium just looks it looks amazing what 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 they're doing, you know, there. But we have, you know, total about one hundred and four full time you know employees and then another about 30 contract employees that we we uh, we support. So we're about one hundred and forty uh, total. Um, I, I mean, 104 that uh, that are uh, full time, and then about 30. So about about 140 total uh, full time, you know, employees that we we support, you know, um, throughout the uh, throughout the U.S. Most of them are based here in St. Louis. A lot of them are developers and support. Um, that's that's typically what we're you know we hire, and, and most of them are based here in St. Louis. And has the team started returning to the office? Slowly. Yeah, we, okay. we started probably back in, in March, you know, slowly mar- migrating some back. Um, it's been it's been a challenge, you know, to get get folks back into the office. You know, um, a lot of our employees have been vaccinated. We did a, a very strong campaign, you know, early on to, to help educate and make sure that people felt comfortable and safe about, you know, the vaccine and things like that. And, and uh, we wanted to make sure that we had a you know, uh, predominantly uh, uh, most of the employees vaccinated once we, we got back to work. We were going to, um, I, I think we were going to really try to push for July after the 4th um, to get back to work. But obviously, you know, Missouri got hit, you know, pretty hard. So we put the brakes, you know, pumped the brakes a little bit there. And we're looking more towards September um, around that time frame. But we, we probably have, you know, at, at our office right now, probably about 15, 20 uh, employees that are in the office daily, 
you know, working with each other. We, we split shifts up and, and things like that as well. And, you know, we're, we're, we're chatting with you mostly today because of being named uh, Ernst & Young or EY Entrepreneur of the Year for 2021, the Heartland Award. I was looking at the criteria they, they used when evaluating uh, the winners, and it's entrepreneurial leadership, talent management, degree of difficulty, which I would say elections probably has that in spades, uh, financial performance, yeah. societal impact, and building a values-based company. Uh, but I wanted to focus on that societal impact. Uh, Scott, it was very early on in the life of, of No Inc. Uh, while you were part of the startup community as an entrepreneur and as a startup it's yourself, running a startup yourself, you've also been ma made sure that your, your company, No Inc., is actively involved from a, a leadership, mentoring, and support standpoint. How, how important has that been to you and as part of the culture of No Inc. to, to continue to invest in the region that, that's really helped you grow? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's how we started. You know, our, our, we were an Arch Grant recipient, I think, that second year um, that Arch Grant came out. Uh, we continue to, you know, be very supportive and, and try to work with Arch Grant. That's why we're located, you know, downtown in the city of St. Louis. Um, we try to give back and pay back, you know, to Arch Grant. Um, you know, we support things like the zoo, um, uh, uh, this last year, you know, when the, when the pandemic was, was hit, we, we, uh, reached out to, uh, John Bowman at the NAACP and, and, uh, helped with refrigerators and things like that, you know, through the pandemic. Um, so we're constantly, you know, working with, you know, community leaders and, you know, uh, reach, we're reaching out to them. They're reaching out to us just to, you know, to, to, to support our, our, our backyard, St. Louis, which we, we all love so much. Scott Leindecker, we've known him as one of the region's leading entrepreneurs. Now, Ernst & Young names him an Entrepreneur of the Year. No Inc., big St. Louis startup. Thank you so much, Scott, for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate always being on your show. And we'll have more Nothing Impossible St. Louis Innovation right after this on KMOX. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Let's take you to Boeing right now. Of course, a large St. Louis company, and they've also got a big innovation presence. We have peeked in on Boeing Ventures and Cortex before, and right now we're going to talk about how Boeing's partnering with Launch Code in the St. Louis area. Travis? Yeah, we're going to chat with Boeing Vice President of Global Services, Dan Gillian. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, I, we understand you are you're on the board for Launch Code, and Boeing has had a long-standing relationship with Launch Code. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Launch Code and Boeing relationship over the last few years? Absolutely, and yes, proud to be on the board at Launch Code. Boeing's relationship with Launch Code goes back to 2015. You know, Launch Code founded in 2013. We got engaged in 2015. Uh, providing grants to support some of the programs that they run, but also hiring great talent that comes through the Launch Code program uh, over the years. We're up to about 82 hires to date. Uh, great teammates doing great work on Boeing products uh, here in St. Louis, where we do a lot of high-tech software engineering, uh, obviously supporting some of our IT infrastructure, and they've just been great teammates throughout. 
Dan, when LaunchCode uh, first launched in 2013 and Jim McKelvey was there in uh, Lab 1500, the late Lab 1500 on Washington <laughs> Avenue, and uh, he talked about how Square, they had the idea in St. Louis, but they couldn't build it here, both because the physical uh, workshop, which we later got Tech Shop and the Makerspace uh, to fix that part of the problem, but also because of the tech talent here and the inability to get the number of engineers that they would need to build this product out. Obviously, now LaunchCode has been around for so long. This ecosystem is built up. How has Boeing's experience been in St. Louis getting the, the employees with the training that you need to complete the mission? Well, as you know, we've got a long history here, uh, going back to space in the 50s and 60s and lots of great innovative products that we continue to use uh, in St. Louis. Um, LaunchCode's been a great partner for us, bringing in innovative talent. You know, the LaunchCode uh, people that come through the launch code program don't have your traditional uh, history or background of getting into tech jobs. They've had a variety of jobs, um, and they come to launch code to change the trajectory of their career and their life. And we're able to bring them in as part of the Boeing family to work on great things like flight simulators, doing software coding, IT, uh, as I mentioned. Um, we have a good history of hiring here in St. Louis. We have great teammates throughout the company. We believe in investing in the communities that we work in and partnering with great groups like LaunchCode to help us get access to diverse and innovative talent. It's part of what we do in St. Louis. It's part of our history and certainly part of our future. Well, speaking of investing in the community at this uh, this year's LaunchCode Inclusive Tech Career Accelerator Program, uh, Dan, you announced a $165,000 grant from Boeing to LaunchCode mm -hmm. to continue this, that mission of helping under and unemployed individuals find careers in these high demand fields. What has it been like uh, assimilating and integrating folks that maybe had a different background into the Boeing culture? It's really exciting. And I think one of the, one of the core things of the partnership with LaunchCode, and yes, the $165 grant follows about $750,000 of previous money. Um, again, helping build communities and give people a path into, into uh, great new careers and, and jobs uh, at Boeing. Uh, bringing them in, their, their non-traditional backgrounds, it's, it does two things. One, different perspective on how to problem solve and how to accomplish hard things. About 60% of people who come into the Launch Code program are making less than $30,000 before they join. The average salary after you go through the Launch Code program is $60,000. That's life-altering money. So that brings a different perspective into the Boeing company. It helps us problem solve differently. Uh, the people who come from LaunchCode into Boeing, uh, scores are really high. They perform really well, and they like staying at Boeing. We retain them really well, and they're, they're teammates for a long, long period of time, which is great. And, and Dan, uh, talk a little bit about the, the role you've been able to uh, you know, experience as a, as a board member within LaunchCode. Uh, how important is that for you as, as a type of civic engagement and civic uh, participation, both for your, your job at Boeing, but just as a, as a St. Louisan? Uh, personally, it's extremely rewarding. I'm a new board member at LaunchCode uh, just this year. I've been following them for a while. I was honored uh, when they asked me to join, and I'm really happy to be doing it. Uh, I've had a great career at Boeing. Uh, I graduated high school in St. Louis. I've been around the world and, and came back to St. Louis in 2013. And it's an honor to be able to go out and represent Boeing in the community where we are partnered and working to to change the community for the better. Um, personally, uh, working with Launch Code, I'm able to actively work inside my business to hire and bring Launch Coders into my business. So there's a direct connection uh, between the Launch Code program 
and the, the work I lead for the Boeing company. Um, but really the opportunity to uh, give back and partner with a group like Launch Code to help bring people into the tech field is awesome. And I'm really honored to be part of it. What's different, Dan, about the Launch Code approach? We've heard about pair programming, for instance, and how valuable that is, especially when the skills are really precise uh, to be learned. Uh, but what, what is the big value add with Launch Code as, as opposed to other ways of getting into the industry and getting the skills? Yeah, a couple of things. One, so they, they go recruit great talent. Um, it's, it's tough to get a launch code program. You really have to measure up and be committed to the program. So the talent they bring in is great. The curriculum is strong. Um, and the people, the skills they learn through the programs and the program progressions translate directly into the real world. I think the uh, courses they offer to help transition into that uh, office environment, that professional environment, are great. Um, and I, I just attended the graduation for Launch Code 101 earlier this, this week. I had a chance to speak at it. Just the, the enthusiasm and teamwork that they learn going through the program. Most of these people are doing this and managing complicated lives as well, so their time management skills are awesome. But their passion for getting through the program and being successful and transforming their lives, um, that is a, that's not a technical skill. That is just a life cool thing. That means that people who come into companies like Boeing just bring a different passion than somebody who's gone through a more traditional way of getting there. We're talking with Boeing Vice President of Global Services, Dan Gillian, about this partnership between Boeing and Launch Code. And for folks who might be interested in taking this career path, you mentioned simulators, for instance. That was a word that stood out to me. But what are some examples mm -hmm. of the jobs inside Boeing that are available, that people, uh, all these folks who've come from Launch Code, they've been able to fill them? What are the different kinds of things that people can do there? Yeah, here in St. Louis, we do a lot of software development for flight simulators. So these are military combat flight simulators uh, doing software coding for them. Uh, we have a lot of launch coders who come into our IT department. Um, think about Boeing and the, the defense products we build. Cybersecurity uh, is a big thing for us, and a lot of our IT teammates help us protect our information uh, inside the Boeing company. Those are two big areas. Uh, on top of all the great products we built here in St. Louis, the fighter jets, the T-7 trainer, et cetera. Uh, but software for flight simulators and IT, cybersecurity, those are two of the big areas where we see success. And Dan, some of the groups, companies, organizations we've talked with, especially in the Metro East, require some sort of security clearance. Is that a blanket that people should consider maybe for some of these jobs? Is that something that uh, should be on people's minds? For some of the jobs, certainly that's required. Um, and we do have, Launch Code has some experience helping us do that, um, bringing people through the program that have that. Lots of people come to the Boeing company and get that. But it is part and parcel of the defense business for sure. Uh, well, Dan, before we, before we let you go, uh, you know, paint a little picture for us of how you, you know, you, we can look back on the Boeing Launch Code relationship in the past, but uh, give us a, a crystal ball into the future. I know it's difficult for a company like Boeing to talk about crystal uh, projecting the future. This is not about the company of Boeing, but you know, how do you mm -hmm. see this, this relationship continuing to evolve? Uh, I really appreciate you asking me that question. I, I'm very confident that the partnership with Launch Code will continue to grow and great talent coming through the program, doing really good work for the Boeing company, and our values are aligned. So I, I think there's a natural evolution and expansion of that relationship. Broader, uh, Boeing in St. Louis, uh, I'm one of the members of the leadership team here in St. Louis, we're really committed to this community and uh, accelerating our engagement in the community, pulling 
diverse talent into the Boeing company for our great and growing business here in St. Louis. So I think the relationship with Launch Code is, uh, it kind of illustrates where we want to go in the future. Uh, deeper, more visible engagement, uh, helping drive good discussions and good careers in the St. Louis community. Boeing Vice President of Global Services, Dan Gillian. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you want to learn more about Launch Code, just go to launchcode.org. Stay tuned. We've got more St. Louis startups and innovation conversation coming up on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now back to Nothing Impossible on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. All right. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible, Travis and Michael. And Michael, you got to uh, learn about this new app called Doobie. And I don't know how much time is left in the show, but is this... Is this segment four minutes and 20 seconds long? <laughs> <laughs> Good joke. Good joke. It is the first marijuana delivery service in Missouri. It's based at Jane Dispensary in the Del Mar Loop. And here's a little bit of my conversation with President Bill Silver and CEO Joseph Rubin. We're very excited about uh, being in the St. Louis market and in the state of Missouri, where as we expand to the uh, entire state, uh, because of the interest in medical marijuana. So the products that are available to people now are a much wider variety than, than used to be, and it is the, the doobie ethic to make it easy for people to learn about cannabis and to understand and find exactly what it is that, that they need. And you had asked about California. We have the opportunity uh, of being in the California market for many years and uh, growing our business there and learning uh, about the cannabis uh, industry and sort of the healing properties of the plant. We look forward to sharing that with people in Missouri. Uh, how does this differ from somebody who's used uh, a delivery service like DoorDash or GoPuff? How does how does ordering this kind of a product differ than ordering you know dinner or a gallon of milk? This is Bill. Michael, that is a great question. And in, in some ways, the answer is simple. It's no different and just as, as easy. And of course, when you use those apps, uh, you know, you can just do Apple Pay. That's uh, that's pretty easy. But when it comes to marijuana regulations, uh, a lot of the transactions are cash. So how do you how do you deal with that? Michael, this is Joseph. Actually, in, in Missouri, there are state regulations which require delivery companies are or dispensaries if they are performing a delivery to take uh, the form or method of payment before product actually leaves the license premise. So in this state or in this uh, in this scenario in Missouri, if a customer is placing a delivery order, we actually work with a, uh, a payment processor partner of ours called Hyper, literally spelled H-Y-P-U-R, where uh, you know payment is all you know touchless so, so there's no uh, handing off of cash um, and we actually uh, works very similarly to a PayPal or or Venmo where uh, payment is being processed before product is actually even leaving the store and in terms of uh, the fees and the the structure of this are the the delivery drivers uh, employees or do they work for or of yours or independent contractors or do they work for Jane um, and what kind of delivery fees should customers expect Great question. This is Joseph again. Uh, all of the, the drivers are actually employees of, uh, of Jane. Um, and to answer your question uh, related to fees, the delivery fee right now for the month of August is waived. We're going to be doing that uh, through the entire month, almost as a, you know, a welcome gift. 
so to speak, to all the customers. And afterwards, it'll be a flat fee of $10, and that'll be charged straight to the customer. And have you found that any products are more popular to be delivered than others? That's a a great question. Um, And this is Joseph again. Uh, I think as we see the market continue to evolve uh, and mature, uh, I'd be able to give you a more exact answer with more more data, but I think at the beginning, flour has been very, very popular, as well as all the edibles. Uh, and, you know, that, that's really what we've seen from the onset, but that will continue to evolve as the market matures and as more pro- products become available on the market for customers to choose from. And last thing I think I have is, uh, do you find that this is more customers are taking advantage of the of this more to avoid having to drive impaired, or is it the convenience? This is this is Joseph again. Uh, well, number one, we don't want anybody to be driving uh, impaired, uh, but you know I think what we bring is really a convenience factor, as well as uh, you know the option for someone who's incapable of driving or you know. They can't get to a car, so we're able to come to them. But we also open up uh, these dispensaries that we're working with to an entirely new set of customer base uh, that they might not have been able to to reach otherwise. Because if you look at a a dispensary, typically they're they're pulling customers within 10 to 15 minutes of drive time, and we can reach uh, a much wider audience, sometimes going out, you know, 40 to 50 minutes within a driving radius of the partner that we work with. So we definitely don't want anybody to be driving impaired, but we're providing a new way for customers to get, uh, to get their product or their medicine. Um, and also there's that huge convenience factor so people never have to leave, whether it's too hot outside or they're lazy or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, but we're able to provide that uh, delivery service for them. All right. Well, you know what? I have to say, I think we're going to see more and more of these types of technologies and apps uh, you know, launching as the legalization of marijuana continues to grow. But well, what, what a full show. We really covered it today. Yeah, interesting that Missouri, this is allowed, but the Illinois regulations don't allow it. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll start seeing some changes nationwide. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of our look at St. Louis Innovation. Join us again next week for more Nothing Impossible. Go out there and innovate, people. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.